It is high noon here at Mutiny Radio. It's also 8 o'clock in Glasgow, Scotland. So that's exciting. We are just about to start the Choose Poetry, Choose Life show. I don't even want to call it an open mic. It is an amazing Zoom show here on Mutiny Radio and also on the Zoom and the internet all over the world, but specifically from Aaron Gannon and Andy Talbot out of Glasgow, Scotland. So we're going to be back with an amazing poetry reading here in just a minute on Mutiny Radio. Yeah, sound check. Everything works on this end. Everybody's yeah. Okay, because it's uh yeah. I want to check. I'm not getting any. Uh, you're not getting any feedback. I've got a big pillar fan on behind me because it is so freaking hot in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? No uh, feedback okay, on the radio. Sounds great. We're yeah. all. We're everything's great. Awesome. Because I'm gonna melt if I have to keep it off. <laughs> yeah, it's real summer out there. It's uh, as it, Mark Twain it's said. It's beautiful, uh, but it is like insanely sweaty. Yeah, in uh, San Francisco, it's cold and weird, just as Mark Twain said. The coldest winter I ever felt was a summer in San Francisco. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Samuel Clemens. So, um, just like a, a couple announcements. Like, I realize that we should probably do business, uh, like taking stuff. I'm before. So, um, for anybody who's new, welcome. Hello. Hi. This is everybody. Um, or if it's your first time, and um, how this works is like everybody gets six minutes, and we, we have a full schedule today, but we're pretty loose, we couldn't go over. So, if you want to read, just um, let us know in chat, and then we'll see what we can do. Um, and then also, just the way it works is um, if you've already signed up to sub like if you've been here before you're on the emailing list to get the zoom link each week but i do need you to let me know if you want to read so if you just want to show up all you got to do is like sign sign up and then you automatically everybody who's ever been automatically gets the new zoom link 
and then but i just need to know if you want to read because i can't i don't put everybody on the mailing list on the schedule obviously so like um so yeah so that's how that works so like if uh, yeah so yeah that's how that works and i think that's all the business right what do you think andy is that yeah um like, i don't know i'm trying to think if there's any other like operational stuff I mean, what we normally do is get everyone to introduce. We'll obviously say the name, um, but then right. introduce yourself in terms of pronouns, um, just so that everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Um, cool. So I think that's everything. I'm just gonna quickly scroll through and see. Sorry. Nah, that's all good. Do we have everyone here, though? Pardon? Um, let's see. Uh, the first person had it was whose email was Ruby Pacifico, and they didn't say what their name name was. But I right. I was just kind of hoping that was their actual name because I thought it was same here. I, <laughs> I was really I was getting really excited to like introduce them, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, Bruce. We have a Bruce. Let me see. I don't think Bruce is here either. I don't um, think Luke's here. Is Luke here? Did I see Luke when I was scrolling through? No. Okay, I know Ken's here, so we're going to jump to Ken. Is that okay, Ken, if you go up first? <laughs> Taking the bullet. No pressure. <laughs> okay. I'm Ken. Sorry, I was just adding Mandy. Hey. Uh, hey, it worked. Hello, folks. Hello. Hi there. Yeah, so I'm I'm starting tonight, am I? Yes. Yes. Lovely. Okay, my name's uh, Ken. Um, I'm 62, uh, bisexual, uh, cis, pronoun he. And um, yeah, I, I came to here via the fact that Andy turned up at the allographic workshops and 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 stuff and so heard about this and uh yeah this, this is my first time here i'm based in norwich uk and i'd like to start with a poem that i wrote on the 26th of april um this was of course you know a few weeks into lockdown and uh was also the date that the london marathon was supposed to have happened and the people at napo rimo put out a prompt um, that people should try writing a poem on the subject of endurance. And at the time, I mean, I still am, um, I was very angry about the government's woeful um, incompetence, uh, if, and that's a polite word for it, in providing PPE for our frontline workers. So uh, I ended up writing this. It's called Dear Napoleon. I think you can guess who Napoleon is. There's a difference between buckling down and knuckling under. A distinction to be drawn between self-sacrifice and being sacrificed, between the lengths we will go to and the limits beyond which we are being pushed. Call us what you like, key workers, heroes, holy fuck, stakhanovites, but don't take us for fools. We did that Orwell book in school. I've not forgotten. Boxer, what became of him? Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
weird silent applause. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this next poem, um, I should explain. Um, my wife died in 2015. We were together for 28 years. And it took a long time, you know, the grieving process. And it was four years later before I began to notice that I was finding other people attractive again. And this poem is a kind of a celebration of that moment. Although I, I was finding myself attracted to totally inappropriate people. Um, this is called Contactless. You shouldn't, but you're walking into Subway. It's a festival of carbs you know you're going to regret, and those gloves may be hygienic, but they're single use and they must get through hundreds in a day, but still, it's cheap and hassle-free, and right now you're just not cut out for complications. Not now you've seen him, the new boy behind the counter. The reason you're at this branch for the eighth time in two weeks. The reason you're at this branch, not the one in the arcade, in spite of that one being down the hill, not half so busy and a great deal more convenient for the bus. The reason you've hung back, let someone else get served before you, made it certain you and he will synchronize. It's the eyes. <laughs> of course, it's always been the eyes with you. And here's a proper drowners. Not that he lets you get to see them much. Keeps them downcast mostly, busy, focused on the job. Well, fair enough, you think. That knife is sharp. Nearly as sharp as your own shame at what a cliche you've become. What is he? 19? 20 at a push? Dear God, you're tragic. When will you grow up? And now it's your turn. And you're praying maybe this time you won't stammer like you've done three times already when he halts you with that shy half smile the one like sunlight just broke through a cloud don't tell me let me guess the usual oh my god he knows you've got a usual he checklists the ingredients to be certain no mistakes you watch his hands bedazzled as he busies with the salads, deft and dexterous like a close-up magic trick. The gloves come off. You notice that his nail varnish is new. Imagine an alternative reality in which you comment casually on this. The light, inconsequential conversation that might feasibly ensue. But now he's through, he's done with you, already busy with the next one in the queue. Tapped in, checked out, pocketing your card. You call out thanks. He glances up. He smiles. And you head out to the waiting day, glad, just for the now, to be hungry, to be here, to be alive. Thank you, folks. Have I got time for one more short one, or does that mean five minutes? No, no. Go for it. Go okay. For it. Uh, hang on a minute. Let me just get it up. Yeah, this is another one about love. And my computer's decided to shut the hard drive down. Come on, you sod. Come on. That's it, baby. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, this is called Telescope. The optics work their Galilean trick. Refract you into nearness so convincing you might be but a table's width away. I could wave my arms, jump up and down, call out, 
but I'm too small to attract your naked eye, and the mile between us swallows all my words. Wondering if, if perhaps a beacon might yet be the answer, I'm trying to think of where a can of petrol might be got when you signal to me, pointing at your watch. Best get back. Lunch again tomorrow. You nod. We neck our drinks and leave the pub. Thank you. Ken, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm so glad you could finally make it like along to one of these. Yeah, so um, am I. Unrequited love from Ken. So, um, your second poem, I have wow. something later in a sort of similar vein. Um, really? Oh, I'll look yeah, forward to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, I really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> okay, so before that, um, I think I saw Luke come into the room. So if that's okay, we're going to jump over to Luke now. All right. Unmuted, I suppose I am? Yes. Excellent. Thank you. I'm totally unprepared. I uh, had some tech problems too. Do you want some more time and then we can come back or? Eh, I'll just grab something at random. You sure? Sure, all right, let's do this one here. Okay. Cool. Uh, this is a poem called ICU. And it is about, it's for anybody that spent time in the hospital, not as a patient. It's in sections. The first section is called guards. Have I done this one before? Do you, remember, do you recall hospital? I don't call? think so. I think you did. You did a happy, a sad, and a funny last week. All right. Okay. This must have been for another group. Okay. Cool. I'll do this one. Guards. You get to know which ones will let you bring your coffee in. Cool. Look the other way as a picnic is spread in the waiting room. The morning guard I've named Sallow. I've only been gone six hours, but still he groans. Sign in, please. Still, he asks, who are you here to see? Fucker knows damn well who I'm here to see. He gives me a visitor sticker. I plaster it over the one from yesterday, still adhered to the sweater I slept in. Visitors. We get to know each other, trade nods of condolence. I invent their names. Mothball, Snoop Dogg, Red Shoes. No doubt I'm hat guy to them. I've worn my black fedora from day one. I had it on when I got the phone call. It helps. If a nurse should scream, get her family in here quick, they can ask her who, and she can say, it's the tall guy in the hat. Nurses. They all have cutesy names like Candy, Buttons, and Rose. Some care, others don't. Lacey wails and throws her arms in the air when seeing vomit on the sheets again. Curses are muttered as she fetches a rat. Why did she become a nurse in the first place? Doctors. The nurses assure me the doctor is here every morning from 6 to 10 like clockwork. Some fucking clock around lunchtime he pops by. He's young, but he has the coat, so he must be legit. It's a quick and dirty four minutes that boils down to she's fucked up, but she'll live. I ask, what kind of doctor are you again? I'm a neurologist. Oh. 
parking structure. Lounge in my truck, seat flattened back, 10 minutes of fresh air and cigarette. She has a bruised brain, they told me. Seems like they've dumbed it down. I check for security cameras, sneak out my pipe so I can bruise my own brain, dumb myself down for a while. Bedside. We forget ourselves a moment and share a laugh. It wakes her. She stirs, pulls against her wrist restraints. We hush. A curl of her hair has fallen to the tile. It must have drifted down during a bandit's change. I pluck it from the floor, tuck it in my wallet. Moisture. A ballet of fluids. In through an IV, out through a catheter. Secreted from eyes, replenished at drinking fountains. Droplets of mist dance in the breathing tube. Moisture whispers through all the machines. Advice. Avoid speaking about them in past tense. The 15-minute limit is not enforced if you're quiet. Study the networks of tubes and wires, the circlets of sensors, and banish the fear of adjusting them yourself. Learn the nurses' names. Restroom. There are no mirrors in the ICU restroom. Penciled on the wall, he died. A thin cord hangs next to the toilet with a sign that says, pull for help. I come very close. Thank you. Um, here's an oldie. This is called, How a Cynic Says I Love You. Auto accident. Sudden slowdown. We slide to the side of our lane to let the fire trucks and ambulance pass. Utter. Fucking carnage. A red jacket draped through the shattered driver's side window turned out to be a person instead. Always astonished with the reality of mortality, my mouth opens and I say what I always say when confronted with such scenes. We're all meat, more or less. Big, sloppy bags of nothing. I turn and study your face, your eyes, and say awkwardly, you're one of the better bags nature managed to pop up. You're not sure whether to thank me or not. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, guys. There's one golf clap I could hear. <laughs> Thanks for the golf clap. Yay. <laughs> That hospital one was amazing. Uh, the ballet of fluids. Oh my goodness. Ugh. Can people hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Luke, is Luke done or did he just like go the, did he just, oh, you're there. Okay. All right. Right on. Um, so then next is Finn. Are you ready, Finn? Yeah. I have asked you to unmute. I've unmuted. Okay. You can hear me. Yes, you can I hear can. Me, yeah? oh, he's outside. 
okay. outside today. Coolio. Coolio, here we go. Right, I'm going to start off tonight, and I'm going to do one that's not mine. There's a friend of mine wrote a poem. A lot of people have been sending me poems and posting poems on my Facebook page, which I'm uh, keeping in a file called Sent Poems. So I'm going to do this one. Um, I have to read it off his phone. I'm using my iPad. I don't have a computer now. It's still suffering from spilt beer from last week. It's not working. Um, this one's called The American Dream Through the Bloodstained Clouds, Clouds, America, June 2020. Dawn kicks in. Only birds and cocks and rest with junkies. The air is thick with dreamless voices blaming good and bad movies. Fire rakes the background, city bullets cut the reckless down. Television cracks the chaos. Mothers storm the lost and found. Jesus wept. The sisters, ravaged, finished in a darkened alley fire. Fearless gunmen cut the crowds down near the station. As cameras filmed and cowardly soldiers shunned the burning lights. And days of thunder slipped the bloodstains quietly into the night. A fool in rags called to the dead. You fall because of what you have not read. The shallow pit your soul engages. Your road tracks death with dim black pages. The fall of men is written time. The jaws of ignorance devour your line. Sacred chapters burn and glow and sink in time where dead men go. The shorn is evil at the border where children die for law and order. I watch your future burn in flame. Joy turns to horror as your record as you wreck our games. We've seen your cancer grow and grow, disguised by pastors in the know. The mighty dollar crashed and fell and dropped the screens where you hid your hell. How the mighty have fall, having sold their souls. The people wake as the bloodbath boils. Nothing has changed since the native people died. The white man murdered them under broken skies. Their land was taken, their culture scorned. His brutal truth festers unadorned. To build a nation where thieves prevailed, corruption buried the happy trails. The robber barons hear us all, and why this nation builds to fall. They worked the feeble, robbed the slaves, and sent the poor to early graves. They built the nation ten miles high. They looked apart, but just a lie. Corruption washed the truth away. Every dog will have his day. That was written by a man called Xander Ran. He wrote that one. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do some old stuff. And I'm, I'm not going to do a joint up writing stuff tonight because quite frankly, I can't remember where I took you stopped last week. <laughs> but in this uh, past week, for those that's following it, I've had another 10 participants and there's five more waiting in line to go. So I'm going to reach that magic hundred, guys. I'm going to reach it. Right. Uh, I'm going to start off, and I'm not doing cheery tonight. I've got a quite miserable stuff tonight. This one's called um, Man Behind the Curtain. It's, uh, it's a poem about depression. Uh, I've never suffered from depression, such wood. Um, but this one's about it, and anyway, man behind the curtain. How odious the night, how grey and gloomy hang the heavy clouds, ponderous, foreboding. The moon, 
a yellow haze, lurking in the dark corner of the sky, haunting, looking down, encroaching on my memories, hopes and aspirations, dreams causing them to die. A sullen air bespokes me tonight, touches my very bones. Consternation is my password, unexplainable, unknowing, but still there, biting at my shadows, glowering at my reflection. No cautious, no friendly word can alter, not change it, not lift it. It stays, causing tremors of despair, uttering statements of rejection with my senses breathing fear and sorrow at the same time. What luck in my direction? What luck's there? Who goes there? Come out of your encroachment. Expose yourself, my hopeless mind. Stop me fumbling and groping through this world. Make it bright instead of a dismal, hurting kind. A weight. Such a weight. Like every man's sorrows, all the putrid thoughts escape. There's dolefully so wearily on my shoulders, no hiding place. Inside, silent screams. Outside, foreboding, untrusting eyes. I look, I look, getting colder. How sad the world, the dense and dreary, crestfallen, abject people, tarnished souls, burnt out minds, no escape from here, no escape from fear. Poor folk. A hazy, crazy ambience descends upon me. From where? I know not. I care not. Thank you. We are going to do one uh, more just now. We'll keep another one for after. Um, this one's called. Chinese torture. And I hope I haven't done these before. I can cannot remember what I've done enough. So if I have, forget that again. Drip, drip, drip. Constant, steady, like Chinese torture on my head. Silence, empty silence on my TV, in my bed. It's dripping through the whole house that even music cannot hide. All the empty noises are hearing me inside. Clock. Electric clock. Has no tick. Has no talk. To shatter the silence that prevailed in this prison that masquerades as a room. Even boiling kettles, screaming children, creeping floorboards can be pleasure to this gloom. Inside and outside. There's nothing on at all. No substitute for this feeling. I'm just crazy. I must be crazy. But then again, I don't feel faint. I must be lazy. I must be, maybe, but I don't feel any constraint. I hear a scream within my head, beckoning me to the land of the dead. I feel, off the coast of me lies you, and I must find a one-way passage through to the very heart and private part of you, the shambling love. Nothing sells like songs of unlove, and the worst, best word in the book he threw is memories. So what I write about is my emotions, trying to get through to your emotions, through recognition. Feeling sorry for the mess we made, but thank you for those long lost days. 
I think you beat the roof at last. You hung around so long. So now my life's in a mess. My emptiness prolonged. I'll survive. In time, I'll get used to it. But how can I forget? I wasn't really good for much. Perhaps I'm really out to lunch. Still. Conscience, steady, like Chinese torture on my head. Silence, empty silence on my TV, in my bed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome. Um, so wait, did you put your laptop in rice? He's oh my God, he's muted. muted. He's muted. He's telling us the story <laughs> that he's on mute though. Oh but, uh, <laughs> Say that again. See, I don't know what happened. I'm back. I'm back. It just disappeared and shared my profile. But here I am. So did, <laughs> did you did you put your laptop in rice? I tried that, and then I read online and it says it doesn't work anyway. You're best just to leave it out. So I've left it out. It's sitting upstairs. It still doesn't go on. I plug in the power cable, and nothing. And nothing so, happens. Yeah, that's a shame. I'll leave. I'll leave it for about six months. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Until Apple opens up again, I might just get in there. Right. My phone just bricked out today while I was typing in WhatsApp. Like it just went dead. And I realized that I bought it five years ago, probably this week. So I wonder if it's like got obeying instructions to spontaneous. <laughs> right? Because you're supposed well, to buy more You're not stuff. supposed to have a five-year-old phone, right? Like, <laughs> Consume. Uh, I I just feel like. I actually dropped an iPhone before in seawater and uh, lost it in a rock pool, went back about a quarter of an hour later, picked it up, took it home, sat it in the radio, it was in France, switched it on the following day and it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. It's crazy. I have, I have like about three times, but mind you, only in San Francisco, which I lived in, I left in 2015. I think it, there. I know the, all three bars that I, three different bars. I dropped the phone and put it in my back pocket, and it fell out into the toilet when I was done peeing. That's what happens. Three times it happened, and each time it was a BlackBerry. I put it in rice, and it still worked. So that was pretty cool. There you go. But, sorry. I actually went out. I went out and bought four bags of rice last Thursday and put it in and put it in. And then red technical says oh, it doesn't work any better than leaving it out fresh air. I don't know. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Okay. I had a friend actually who her boyfriend dropped his phone, or she dropped her boyfriend's phone in water, and she screwed it up and she put it in salt oh. instead of rice, which I don't know. Like, what's in your mind? Oh. Like how she's gonna get? Anyways, whatever. Obviously, she ruined the phone. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, I believe it's Holly's turn. I'm like I usually have the um, 
the schedule printed out, but I've just run out of ink also. Yay. Um, hi, Holly. I see you. I'm unmuting you. What's up? <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm hi. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Uh, good. Yeah. How are you? I'm okay. Good. My phone is literally falling apart. I don't know if you can see the top thing that's, that's supposed to be on the top and the bottom bit is they've both fallen off a couple of weeks ago, actually. I think they do. I think they reach a point that they just fall apart because then you go have to go and get a new phone and it's all huh. just a big conspiracy. But I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I don't get a new phone until I absolutely have to. I make it last as long as humanly possible. Like, you can so planned obsolescence is a thing. Yeah, no, obviously. I, yeah. I hate, I'm scared of change. I hate change. Obsolescence. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to mute myself. And let you take it away. Okay, darling. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, so the first thing I'm going to read is a short story that I wrote this week. Um, I read an article online um, with all everything that's going on at the moment um, about how as writers, white writers, we should be, we should be the ones that take responsibility for you know anti-racism and trying to change things because racism is our issue because we're the ones that invented it and I absolutely agree with that um so I wrote a short story um but I wanted to write it from the point of view of the person that I'm trying to speak to um which I'm sure is no one's point of view in here um and I wanted it to be subtle I didn't want it to be too overt because that's too easy I wanted it to be I wanted it to be ingrained and, you know, subconscious as almost. Um, and I'm I've written it in the third person, which is how I'm gonna read it. But I'm thinking it might have more of an impact if I write it in the first person. So let me know what you guys think afterwards. It's called the train carriage. Robin was tired. He was tired of defending himself and his values. He was a good man. He'd worked hard his whole life. He provided for his family. He never hurt anyone. He was friendly. He was nice to people. He was even polite to that gay guy his wife worked with at their Christmas party every year. Robin longed to go back to his youth. The good old days of his teens in the 1970s when people didn't make such a big deal out of everything. TV back then wasn't so obsessed with political correctness and British comedians made fun of racism. Lenny Henry was in the black and white minstrels for fuck's sake. And mind your language, took the fifth out of everyone equally. It was understood that it was a joke. No one meant any harm. But these days, everyone was so easily offended. No one could take a joke anymore. He yawned and shifted in his uncomfortable train seat. Scrolling through Facebook, his timeline was filled with these kids moaning about some shit happening in another country or having a go at the government. They didn't know they were born. He was a law-abiding citizen, unlike these idiots. Vandalising property, pulling down historical statues. These little shits just wanted to cause trouble, trying to make it about race, when really they just wanted an excuse to break the law and behave like reprobates. As if the police never shot white men, why didn't their lives matter? Pathetic, he thought to himself, as his heavy eyelids began to droop and tiredness took, took hold of him. Sorry, I've scrolled ahead too far. Hang on. Oh, where am I? While he dozed in the quiet train carriage, his son newspaper slipping off his lap, Robin's mind was restless, uneasy. He didn't understand this world anymore. Gone was the comforting assurance that he understood the world and his place within it. The unshaken confidence of his youth wasn't quite so unshaken these days. Though he couldn't have articulated it, he had the unnerving sense that he was being left behind, that his relevance was becoming questionable. 
and he resented it. As Robin dreamt, he became aware of his surroundings. He was no longer on the train. He was now walking down the high street on his way to work. For a moment, he thought that it was odd that he couldn't remember getting off the train or leaving the station. But the moment passed, as they do in dreams, and Robin was focused on the present once more. Ahead of, uh, yeah, sorry, ahead of him, he could see a scene unfolding. A homeless man huddled in a dirty green sleeping bag and sheltered in the doorway of the old Thomas Cook building was being given a food parcel by a young charity worker, early to mid-twenties, and lanky, dressed in skinny jeans, Dr. Martins and his charity vest pulled over a dark puffer jacket. As he approached, Robin could see that a crowd was beginning to gather. Someone was stopping the young man from delivering his food parcel. A woman, mid-forties, dressed in a light grey tailored business suit with a severe blonde bob, had her hand on the food parcel and was keeping it from being donated to the homeless man. Robin watched in astonished fury as the woman attempted to pull the food parcel from the volunteer's hand, arguing that she was hungry too, and why was this man's hunger any more important than her own? The young charity worker was trying to explain that this man's need for food was more urgent, as he was literally starving to death, while she was clearly in the privileged position of being able to afford to buy food for herself. The woman quickly asserted that she'd been running late that morning, that in her rush she had skipped breakfast and had forgotten her purse. So clearly her hunger mattered just as much as this man's, whom, she continued confidently, was obviously some kind of drug addict, or must have committed some horrible crime to have ended up on the streets in the first place. Their argument continued as the homeless man, malnourished and weak, looked on helplessly and quietly pleaded to be allowed to simply eat. Outraged by the absurdity of the woman's attitude, Robin opened his mouth to interject when he was suddenly jolted awake. The train conductor stood over him, his hand on his shoulder. End of the line, sir, he said gently, shaking him awake. Robin roused himself, thanked the conductor and left the train. As, Rob uh, as Robin walked his familiar route from the train station to work, his strange dream leaving him with an unsettling feeling he couldn't quite place, he could see a crowd gathered in the square up ahead. As he got closer, he could see what looked like hundreds of people, of all ages and races, gathered together in protest. Some held large cardboard signs with the slogan Black Lives Matter painted on them in large black letters. Some were chanting, others were singing. Robin, concerned that he might be mistaken for part of the group, quickly moved to the opposite side of the street. He lowered his gaze and walked briskly past. Idiots, he muttered under his breath, and then continued on his way. That was so fucking awesome. Um, that was amazing. Do I have time to read one more? Okay. Um, I will read a poem. Um, hang on, if I can find it. Where is it? Um, I wrote this um last week or the week before. I'm not sure. Um, and I posted it online. And I got some really harsh, not particularly helpful, um, unsolicited criticism, which kind of knocked me for six. So see what you guys think, if I can even find it. Where the hell is it? Sorry, I'm looking for it on my computer. I can't find it. Where are you, you stupid poem? Okay, I'm, I must, I must be.
be staring right at it and not seeing it. Hang on. Sorry about this, guys. Ah, there it is, right at the bottom. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. It's called Your Crazy Wife. Tonight I turned the TV off and listened to the rain. I listened to each thud of water hit the window pane. The torrent poured against, pours against conservatory roof of corrugated plastic. Then rain, raindrops drip from gable ends down onto the leaves they flick. The clouds climactic burst of love outpouring down to earth. You failed to grasp my pleasure in it, my romance and my mirth. My attempts to relate my exhilaration failed to hit the mark. You can't perceive the joy of a rainwalk naked in the dark. It's not your fault, you can't see the fun, the intoxicating glee of showering in the watery night where no one else can see. So, listening to the night sky fall, I stand in indecision. Betwixt deep desire and self-conscious reason is my prison. But time draws on and I know not how long this glorious deluge will stay. Disappointment will be my only reward if to logic my mind doth sway. So I heed the call of the gods downfall and slip out of my pants and top. Stepping out into the night, from stone to stone I hop. There I stand, my shivering hand not wishing for a map. My skin a map as rain draws lines crisscrossing down my back. Cold wind rushes past my skin, my face lifted to the sky. Whatever others think, mine are the only terms I care to live by. Unclothed, no more than nature, I feel my body's worth. Body and soul immersed, and cleansed by earth's rebirth. From hair and lashes flow tiny streams that course down breast and thigh. Soaked and pure, invigorated, I tiptoe back inside. A little disturbed, but with affection, you laugh at what you see. Then rise to make your crazy wife a nice warm cup of tea. Thank you. That story by Holly Bye. was amazing. Are you staying after? Yes. Okay, you'll have to tell me what happened. Or do you want to talk about it now? I can if you want, if it's not going to hold anyone else up. Um, you know what? We actually, because um, the music has to go soon. So we should probably, but I totally, I'm so curious. Anyway. Okay. Like, um, okay. So, AJ? Holly should submit that story. Are you everywhere. ready? It's so important right she's now. She's sleeping. Hey, Jake. Oh, she's just frozen. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm. I'm not too bad. Yeah. Uh, I am. Am I? Can people hear me and everything? I can. Sure. Okay. okay. That's nice. That's awesome. Uh, so I'm going to do two poems tonight. Um, the first one is a poem that I wrote yesterday. Um, it's uh, it's a poem called On Watching That. Can I, there's no back, can, can anyone hear any background noise? I've got my window open for the heat. And, okay, cool, awesome. Um, so this is a poem called On Watching That David Starr video. Um, if you don't know who David Starr is, I envy you at the moment. Um, there's enough in this poem to explain, basically. Um, and it starts out with a mention of Janice Raymond, who was a, a genocidal anti-trans bigot. <laughs> Janice Raymond said that we were spies, and she was kind of right, but in the wrong way. 
we are not spying on women for men. We are women who've spent decades in deep cover behind enemy lines. We've seen how cis men talk among themselves, the way they banter when the booze does not bear lipstick traces. But we were never those dudes and we never felt safe in those rooms and have been glad to get away from them. So when I scroll my feed and see three men together in a hotel room, with one the one doing the talking and making the others defer, I feel back there again, the quiet one, the one afraid to intervene, to make a scene, the one who got punished for calling them out when their jokes were about GHB, and I look at how he orchestrates complicity, dirtying them up to fit his toxic masculinity, and I hate him and every man like him, not just for me, not just for other women, but because I've seen how they make other men feel. I've seen the way they twist the loneliness of other men to turn them into replicas of them. And this is the second poem I'm gonna do. This is a poem that I wrote, I think a couple of years ago now, um, but I only started doing it about last year at gigs and stuff. This is a poem, uh, it's called Ms. Beast. Uh, it's inspired by an overheard conversation uh, on the metro between Regent Centre and South Gosforth. Um, when I overheard someone asking one of his mates, is that a man or a woman? And the guy replied, that's a fucking beast, mate. So, what makes me a beast? Is it the hair that you can't see hiding out beneath my leggings? Is it my belly? Is it that you can't tell if you could fertilize these eggs? That I could probably stop you if you tried to get between these legs, whatevs. Call me a beast. If that's my label, then I'll take it because being a beauty is severely overrated in a world where we see superstar instead of seeing rapist. I'll be the biggest monster going if monstrosity is safe and fuck your graces because beasts are creatures of terror and awe. I'm a carnivore, I'm a minotaur. You might call me a beast, but you're the dinosaur. Living in a world where ladies always close our legs, giving you a world of space in which to safely spread, giving you benefit of doubt as we decide instead to shred the girls who kissed the girl, you kissed the girl, you raped and left for dead because God forbid that we should seem opinionated. Fuck that shit. I'll be outspoken if I want. I'll be a boss. I'll be a bitch. I'll be a fucking cunt. I'll be the kind of girl who sends your DMs to your mother. I'll be the kind of girl who helps your girlfriend to recover. I'll be the kind of girl who makes you run and fetch a priest. So listen, buddy, you call me Ms. Mother fucking Beast. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Like I was, yeah. You've had me laughing since Janice Raymond. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad you know Janice Raymond. It's, it's, it was just uh, so like saltily yet risky. Yeah. I was like, right on. That's good. I mean, she basically was, you know. The, no, no, it was, yeah. It was like uh, just very cool. matter of fact and yeah, perfectly delivered. Thank you so much. By the way, before we spotlight, I'm like, um, you're just, yeah, you're fierce tonight. Oh, good. thank you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. I was watching you in the small window, like, damn, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I feel like kind of it's it's really hot, so I can kind of like, you know, I can see my makeup's kind of um, <laughs> melting. But it didn't take too long to cook it, so. <laughs> That's yeah. Cool, right? I didn't have to use my spray today. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of crazy how hot it is. Um, okay. I think that we have Andy next. Okay. Cool. Wrong. Andy, are you going to go? Or is there sound issues with you? Okay. I'm totally confused. Well, not totally confused. Wait, are you yeah, not a co-host? No, I was, but um, I had to leave because um, I couldn't hear any audio. Oh, God, I was wondering what... I'm like, Andy's mad at me. He just stopped... No, talking. no, no, I just um, I just left and then came back in. I was trying to mute music, and I was like, I can't. Okay. Um, I'm going to stand up because, I don't know, I want to get back in the habit of standing up when reading poems, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, cool, I've... Am I okay to do three? Um, I know I can't. So, watch, but... uh, we have to have the music on at nine. Yes, right, Ted? That's true. Right? Oh, I, can get, I can get through a lot more than three in ten minutes. Okay, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Thank you guys for cool. reminding me to spotlight the shit. I forgot. Oh, I just, instead I muted Andy. But he can unmute himself. It's all good. I can. I can. <laughs> Spotlight video. Okay, there we go. Oh, I try to do it at the same time as you. Okay, anyway, I'm gonna crack on. Um, so this one is the one that I was I mentioned to Ken earlier. Um, it's called Slouch. Uh, and before I start, Ken, I agree with you completely. It is always, always the eyes. For me, at least, um, I, I, I definitely agree. I've only read this once before, by the way. Um, anyway, could it be the eyes? Some newly discovered shade of blue. They are piercing me and finally I feel seen. I stumble through my order, my tongue tripping over every single syllable. And I'm not quite sure it's got anything to do with the fact I've been day drinking rum like it's going out of style. Could it be the nails? Painted on in public, between tending to the pumps and pouring pints for the parched patrons. I envy them. It's such a power move, and they need to know I feel this way. If you'll allow me to get slightly off topic, the music in here is always memorable. It's the only reason I have Shazam downloaded on my phone. The only reason I come back here. Block Party. Manson. The Doors, Hendrix. I don't know. Maybe it was the company. Maybe it was the alcohol. Maybe it was my mood. Or maybe I was just feeling it. But the music in that place always did something to me. Between every round, I would talk my friend's ear off about it. About those nails, about those eyes, and that smile. Until eventually, I found the courage. Likely Dutch, but courage nonetheless. And I find my feet, and I find myself at the bar, and I find myself finally, finally telling him a weight lifts. We slip into casual conversation, 
and the night rolls on. Thanks. That's actually about um, a bar in Glasgow, Aaron. Yeah, um, Slouch. I don't know if you know it. I can't remember which street it's on. But it's good at the music and that's awesome. And there's a really cute bartender. Um, so I've got two. I'll do this one, then I'll end on a positive note. Uh, this one I wrote this morning, so it doesn't have a title. Last night, the silence got too heavy and I found myself here again. No longer gliding on air, but dragged swiftly back to ground. The rug pulled from under me, and now am I now not so sure of feet. Falling hard and surrounded by familiar eggshells on which I'm now forced to walk in the place I call home. So today I walk. Today I drove. I drove down the coast, past the sea of blinding broken glass, caught in the light of the morning sun. And I felt hope. I wanted to stop, to pull over and get out of my car and out of my head and lose my shoes and lose my clothes and lose myself and sink below those waves of broken glass. Because for me, that's what the ocean does. It's what the ocean has always done. Before you, before me, before us. After you, after me, after us. It takes the broken, it takes the sharp, it takes all those jagged and splintered edges and it changes them. Sends them back to the shore as something whole, something smooth and something new. Thanks. Um, so eventually, um, I, there's a bit of a delay at the minute. Um, I have a new little chapbook coming out with analog submission press called um old wounds new skin and the hilarious part about this next poem is that's the title of it and it's not in there because i didn't write it until yesterday i just thought it was a really good name for a chap it's like it took us ages to come up with the name and then i wrote this um yeah so this is old wounds new skin it's a new outfit or a new style, or a new haircut. It's to be daring again, to feel liberated, to find yourself by yourself for yourself. It's new ink, or a new hobby. It's a new life, a fresh start, and a whole new level. Fuck it, this is my life, and I'm going to live it my way. It's putting yourself first. It's realizing that you actually can put yourself first. It's growth, it's change, it's looking to the future and shedding the weight of the past. It's learning to cover old wounds in new skin. Thanks. I'll sit back down now. So much talent here. Thank you. Oh, thanks. I don't know where Slouch is. Is it That's down good. better? Um, I think it's just like the street behind Sucky Hall Street. Like near the top. By Charing Cross. Or by the South. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's well, Sucky Hall is cologne. That's a lot of cologne for me to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, so like if you just like drop back, there's a couple of good bars down that way. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, so now here comes the very first of your um, execution of your idea about the musical spot. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Ted, that's your cue. Um, so everybody say hi to Ted. Hi, Ted. He is an awesome, awesome, awesome person from San Francisco. Hi. Ted and I used to play the blues together back, God, it was like, was it 10 years ago? Yeah, about that. Jesus Christ. Um, Come on over. <laughs> but we also did well we also we yeah like i would sometimes come and sit in with ted's band and he always had the best musicians and also the coolest guys which was a revelation for me to find out that the people who were all really talented were also really cool in oh. San Francisco, at least so that was really great um so yeah so uh ted's gonna play for us thanks for being here ted Totally my pleasure. And what a bit, great bunch of poetry and prose I'm listening to. What a, a great day for me right now. It's only midday over here in the sense. <laughs> heard a whistle blowing I didn't even know there were tracks around here sometimes you can be that close to something and it takes forever to appear now I can't go to Portland I can't overcome the rain, but I'd give anything if I could hear Marlena Dietrich singing Lily Marlene. The hour hand is broken, and it's dark now here in town it's probably the same star we wish on when the sun goes down and if the wind weren't blowing it wouldn't be the same but I'd give anything if I could hear 
Dietrich singing Lily Marlene. There's a wildflower growing in a gravel patch back home. Any tear she's ever shed, I would surely make my own. You know you've come a long way when it's too much to explain. But I'd give anything if I could hear Marlena Dietrich singing Lily Marlene. From the spur and back of her heel to the ends of her last suit. She's in the lonesome prairie way. You know what that does to you. People, sweetheart, I just want to grab you up and drink you right down in my coffee cup. Sugar, you sweetheart, I just want to grab you up and drink you right down. All these papers all these words you swallowed yours and out come his all these papers and all these words just how much truth in the world do you think there is sugar sweetheart i just want to grab you up and drink you right down sugar sweetheart i just want to grab you up and drink you right down Phoenix falls out of the ashes. He staggers around and he spits in the sky. He shakes his head and he smooths his feather. He does all of this before he starts to fly. He thinks, sweetheart, I just want to grab you up to drink you right down. Sugar, sweetheart, I just want to grab you up to drink you right down. The boulevard's not the same since they stopped the parade. And it's over a hundred in shade. No breeze from the Gulf blows in. Get no medicine shows. And it's over a hundred in shade.
You can't hear the xylophone. No marches get played. And it's over a hundred in shade. The sidewalk is only there to blend in with your shoes. It feels like you're counting on the blues. Instead of slide trombone, they play radio. And it's over a hundred in shade. The windows are empty now. All the beds have been made. And it's over a hundred in shade. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity too. I'm going to check out some of the other stuff to go. I might have to leave a little before the show's over, but um, I'll be sticking around for a while and uh, I'm loving everything. Thank you so much. Are you done, Ted? Oh, I'm through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He sounds like he's wrapping up. <laughs> As I say, goodbye. Uh, no. Okay. Wait, can I just say that? The line, this, the um, sidewalk's only there to blend in with your shoes. Uh, Very Keith Richards-esque. Ah, thank you. I'll, I'll take that compliment. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, actually, uh, I scheduled it so that we would, that you would be playing before the break. So. Did I go too short? I mean, I got. I no, 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 no. No, oh. you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Okay. Um, I just wanted to like, yeah, so. Um, so I guess, so yeah, so we'll go on break now. Is that cool, Andy? What do you think? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And then- Ted, I just want to quickly say, Ted, that was absolutely amazing. Like, I, I don't think I've been that chilled in like months. Oh. I was like, yeah, I was lost there. Oh, I'm so flattered, thank you. So tell about your show, tell about your show. Well, the, one of the reasons I have to leave, I do an Instagram show every week. Uh, couple hours from now um if anybody's on instagram just you can look up my name it's the it's the name underneath my hollywood square here and stuff and um and and uh what a pleasure to meet all you and i hope we get to meet again i'm gonna come i don't know if, if i can just come check this out sometime of course you can of course okay, yeah, well exactly. i'll put you on the mailing list and then I would um, love that. Yeah. also you can always come back and play for us um or we can try to figure out how to play together there are there are things ways to do it, but I, I'm being kind of a, a luddite in that way. But we'll figure oh, it out. No. Well, I you know what? Because I started asking questions about how to how to like other musicians to play for like for the music for musicians to play this spot. Like people are starting to let me know. Like you have to play with the you know Colin. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to talk about this. Apparently, you need a click track. There's a whole bunch of nonsense. So I'm like. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Right. Colin, yes, I do know Colin. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, of course. I'll say goodbye now, but I'm gonna check out a few more uh, things. Uh, what kind of break? What happens during the break? Right oh, here. we're just gonna smoke, and I'm gonna unmute everybody, and we're gonna talk. I <laughs> <laughs> get more wine. Okay. All right. Cheers, everybody. Love you all. Yay, Thank that you. Was great. Thanks, Tess. That was. Great. I'm gonna smoke. Oh, thank you. Yay. We'll have to have you. You could actually come here to Mutiny Radio and play at the same time with Aaron on the Zoom. Ah. Does that work? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. As long as you were live here and Zooming through there, we could at least get the sound right through the through the board here at Mutiny. Are you serious? Oh, you really? Well, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if Ted came in here, then you guys could definitely easily play together. I will do that next yeah. time. I, I go to... Um, uh, mutiny radio often to cool. see what's going on. So. Woohoo! Yay! Dude, I think well, I think I invited you to Pam. She remember that was your first one woman show. Pam, does oh, this joke make it? Yeah. Remember that Ted? Does this joke make me look fat? Do you remember tell, me telling you about that? <laughs> the, the poster was of my butt. I used sex to sell. I'm not <laughs> above or below that. I, no problem. <laughs> Cool, well, we'll be anyway. back. I'll All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go quickly oh. smoke a cigarette, but I'm unmuted. I'm All right, here we are, MutinyRadio.fm. We're on the break for Choose Poetry, Choose Life here on the AltaCast at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'm joined by Aaron Gannon and Andy Talbot out of Glasgow, Scotland, and the huge cast of characters that perform poetry every week, and then the great music from Ted. So thanks so much for listening in to Mutiny Radio. We're going to be back after a little break and after this music. Again, that Wow, that story by Holly was moving.
A cold shower helps. So does the thought of lunch. Pro football players eat well but wisely. Lunch is a refreshing meal and light. No one wants to eat too much because there's still another practice on the day's schedule. Usually lunch starts with hot soup and a cool salad of lettuce and tomatoes. But there's no spicy dressing for the salad. It's too hard to digest. Next come cold cuts like ham and roast beef, assorted cheeses, tuna fish and bread and rolls. Players can drink fruit juices, lemonade, iced tea or even hot coffee. No milk at lunch though. A pro training camp is like a football school. Players spend more time in classrooms than they do on the practice field. The rookie who fails to do his homework with a team playbook soon falls behind the rest of his teammates. The playbook contains hundreds of plays and formations. It is also a guide for training camp rules. It gives the schedule for meals, the time of meetings and other helpful information. Rookies often study their playbooks in their dormitory room after lunch. The playbook is never far from their reach. There is time after lunch for other things too, like writing letters home, or reading a book, or maybe a friendly game of cards. Players also use this period to take short naps before the start of afternoon practice. By 2.30 in the afternoon, most of them are on their way to the gym to get their ankles taped and to suit up for another long practice.
listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Lucky you, you've turned in for the Choose Poetry, Choose Life show. I'm not going to call it open mic. It's not an open mic. It's a legitimate poetry show here. Uh, coming all the way from Glasgow, Scotland. And, um, and beyond. Uh, people from England and, and the United States even. Another guy from San Francisco, Ken, was just playing some amazing music earlier. Some original songs. And... That's poetry to music, right? And isn't it great when people can play the guitar? They ha- they can do... I can't believe when they can do two things at once. Like, you could do poetry and guitar at the same time. The brain just doesn't work like that. All right. We're going to be back right here with Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Okay. Um, so, welcome back. Choose Poetry, Choose Life. We're here from Glasgow and Newcastle and Norwich. I feel like there's some people from and also. Um, so my name is Erin and I am going to share the screen. Sorry for those people listening. But I have um, finally uh, realized that I'm just a multimedia type of gal. So um, but this is, we at, uh, I was at Queens in Belfast last year, and they had us do an ekphrasis project. And ekphrasis is when you, <laughs> uh, when you write, uh, it's mostly writing in response to visual art, usually paintings. That's traditionally what it is. So at the Ulster Museum, um, the Queens people had us like pick a painting and write about it. And so, um, yeah, I'm, so this is the poem that I wrote and I'm gonna show you the painting. Now you see why I want to share the screen. So um, this is a Northern Irish Belfast-based poet called Maeve McGuckian, who is officially a woman you should know about or a poet you should know about. Um, she is the only lady in the Troubles, in the group of the Troubles poets with um, the second generation of the Troubles poets. So just below Seamus Heaney and um, Michael Longley. She's in the generation of Kieran Carson and Paul Muldoon. And so that's her. And this is the poem that I wrote about it. Queen is framed. Not many people ever look at us, do they? Not to see. We always need to tell them, show them, and that's a language that makes us slaves. Mouths are not necessary. Resistance, the guileless correction of a misbehaving bra strap, a faded t-shirt, serving uncoiffed and unconcerned about it. Dead right in our own skin, we disobey. We don't play flash. We don't lay low, pretending we don't exist to survive. Look, here's the lioness. Rocking chair repose, rocking chair regal. Peter told me to relax. I chose this place and sit crowned and caped in color. What I don't see is the shapes in the light. What I don't see is the shapes in the dark matter. What is conjured by my tightened fist. What we carry from before, 
how we destroy, how we beget, these inheritances are inevitable. Oh, there was weakness, but in it, we saw greatness, tenderness, the kind of understanding that exists only through sharing a body, the constraints we slid through and by, the constraints we couldn't acknowledge, but flight. There, the pigments are deep, the sky infinite. The lights refract, but they cannot distract the eyes. The darkness isn't empty. In fact, to be so bold, I see lavender just behind you. Oh my God, I'm correcting an errant non-existent bra strap. Sorry, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Thank you. So that's about me. Actually, um, apparently somebody told her, I went to see her read and somebody had told her about the poem before. And I was like trying to get her to sign this, which she did. And like, the, this woman sort of interrupted me and I was like, what the hell? I was just trying to, and I was like, you're getting all like Chicago. Like, why are you interrupting me? And um, the woman was telling her, this is the girl that wrote that poem. <laughs> so that was kind of exciting. It was like a little starstruck moment. Anyway, so yeah, check her out. Maeve McGucky and I'll write um, her name in the chat. Um, and then the other poem that I wanted to, wait, hold on a second. Why is it not working? hi that i wanted to share today is because it's um pride weekend in san francisco so i don't like honestly like it's yes, not please. letting me pride like have i unshared or can you guys all see my yeah no okay i'm done wait stop share there, there we go. go um so it's Pride weekend in San Francisco. So I wanted to do something for Pride because like, you know, it's Pride. <laughs> um, but this poem is not actually about Pride. It's about uh, this thing called Folsom Street Fair in which is in San Francisco. And it takes place every, like the last weekend of September. And it's more like of a BDSM queer fair but I don't really, cause no, I don't go to pride anymore. Cause basically it kind of got taken over by straight people and there's a lot of gay bashing that happens now. And yeah, it's like, it's, oh, it's been a nightmare since like probably 1997, as far as I'm concerned anyways. So, but, and actually that ended up happening at Folsom Street Fair too. So, I mean, I don't know, whatever. Everything gets co-opted, right? Um, so, but, so this is a poem about Folsom, uh, Folsom Street Fair experience, actually back in the late 90s. Family scrapbook, Folsom Street Fair, 12B Sumner Alley. The circle jerk was a bust, my love. All those postcards we placed tactically around Soma for nothing. No one came except our friends. Baby Blue, you with your camera, I'm still not sure if that was a good idea. But the video of us shooting vodka is one of the great archival moments, the wincing and the heft of the Smirnoff. It lives in the realness, the historical feelness of our first Folsom Street Fair. The stilted man on the street interviews where we anticipated your future career. Harnessed men signed release forms, I waited. A celery stalk in my outlaw Bloody Mary. Awesome, autumn sunlight glistened off rubber and leather, and I harassed the executioner swinging at the public flogging. My heckle still rings true. 
my dad hit me harder with his belt. Don't put it on stage if it's that sanctified. Folsom Street pleasure is for everyone, not just the whipper and the whipping boy. 289 8th Street. That one waitress came, what was her name? She borrowed my leather bustier and chained herself to the chain linked wall, all up inside the rubber curtain door, home in the wall, homecoming in the wall. Cowboy Eric and I and Eugene played whatever we wanted to hear, mainly Keith Richards. The apex of a summer chugging, warm pitchers of beer. Poppers kept the back of the bar busy. Meanwhile, Taxi Bob had money for shots, so the bell rang and rang. He showed off the new patch for his formly, newly formed MC. The goddamn independence, no motorcycle required. I took my finals in the school of pissing in the trough. You left your camera back at the house. There was dancing to do, so much dancing that day. The candle melted clean off the bar. Learn girl. Great. Great. Actually, I'm not going to unmute myself, but I did unmute yay, Annie. Yay. So Bart is next, and Bart, I believe, is going to read his, because we were at Queens together, and he has an neck braces as well. Do you want me to share my screen, Bart? Uh, yeah, could you? Yeah. Could you? Do you have cool, a I, I was going to link it, but if you do... Do you have a link? Can you send me the link? So I'll just click on it and then share instead of like uh, looking at Twitter. Yeah, I can send a link to everyone. Yeah, wait. Yeah, like they're all up there. They all look really cool how they put them on. They, they all look really good. Technology um, is amazing. Cool. I posted it to, to everyone so anyone can look at it. It's the man in the boat, right? Yeah, it's the um the priest on the island. Wait, the priest on the island? Yeah, the goodbye father, must be father one. Yeah, it's people in a boat, and the priest is there, and people are sat around. Oh, him. that's a priest. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called goodbye father. That's why. That's what the. Okay. Okay. It's called. Yeah. There we go. Can everybody see that? Yeah. Are we good? Okay. Yeah. So, so me, me and Erin both gave each other paintings to look at, but I'm not very good like at navigation and walking around, so I got lost in the museum and found this picture. And Basically, like, Bart assigned me the Maeve McGuckian painting, and I did my job, and I assigned Mark Bart a painting, and he didn't do the one I assigned. Because I, I got lost anyway, and I saw this picture is huge. And um, if you ever get get like a chance to go to your museum, go go in and look at these pictures. Okay. They're amazing. Um, um, and um, so my great grandmother was born on an island in Kerry, um, a small island called Begamish Island. So um, I, the whole idea of island life kind of like spoke to me. So um, um, this is it. Goodbye and Godspeed, Father. The oarsmen get the boat ready. One pulls with all his might in the shallow white water, needing to catch that millimeter of lift when the teeny horses run in, pressing the shoreline shoreline and sand. The other stands, one hand above the tarred back of the Kura to steady it, a third oar balanced between his elbow and sweat-dripped armpit, ready to jump in and push them out when the time comes. All the island's men who helped carry the boat down 
and more who followed behind gather on the beach to see the priest off, one eye always on the sky as they wait and turn to give their rough hands to his softer ones. The clouds are right and left, they are vanishing sure, with specks of gold light rising from off the horizon above the dark blue sea, as if to say, the time is right, father, goodbye, father, Godspeed, father, take care, father, hold tight to your hat for the journey, father, there'll be an extra log on every fire tonight for you, father. The priest's luggage sings, I won't forget you either, people of Inishmore. I'll always spread my prayers to those who need it. May your sons and daughters suffer no jealousy or hatred. May they live like this in their hearts for centuries. Thank you. Um, I'm going to do another poem. That's an island poem um, about Bakersfield Island, where my grandmother was from. Um, and it got published, but then I realized I got it wrong. Like <laughs> when they published it, I, I missed out like some particular details. So it's called Bull and Begnish. And in the poem, I wrote like a random guy, um, a man brought a bull to Begnish. And then when I told him about my dad about it, like, my dad actually told me a story and he said, your man, me and my great granddad. So <laughs> like I wrote about like some, it, when, I, when I first put it, I wrote, um, about like a random guy bringing a bull to Begnish, not my, not my granddad. Um, so I'm gonna change it a bit when I read it, just make it up in my head a bit. Um, bull on Begnish. In the old days, when my great uncles were young men, my great granddaddy brought a bull to Begnish. How early the next morning they spotted him a mile upstream, paddling his way to the mainland. He broke out his pen at the back of the island, ran down out through Casey Landing, past the seals, and came ashore in a cabbage patch near Reynard Point. The farmer found him trotting up the lane to his field. Amazing, how did he know that he could swim? That's that one. Okay, yeah, that's all. Thank you. I hear you sound of me clapping. Okay, thanks, Erin. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So um, next we have Scott. Are you ready to go? I did a. Are we done? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm having terrible trouble. It must be the weather affecting whatever so um great okay um i do recognize i know i'm beth hi beth um i do recognize a few other faces so possibly you've heard a couple of these before um two very quick ones so um yeah here we go i heard the growl of engines roaring i saw the flames the rocket rising i saw the crowds the people cheering then saw the flames of buildings burning. Two men in a capsule, fed oxygen in space. Another choked on the ground. American disgrace. I heard the words, I can't grieve. I saw the news, but can't believe. 
I saw the crowds of people chanting, then saw the news of rockets rising. Two men in an orbit, fed ox flying through space, the other dead on the ground because of his race. I see your rockets, you put men on the moon, but back on earth you are out of tune. Out in space it's very quiet, but back on earth the world's in riot. Two men calling Houston, we want to believe, but all we hear is, I can't breathe. Okay, um, I'm sure everyone's had this experience if they've been on an, an, as many Zoom um, events, meetings as I have. Um, I'm sure we've all been to a few that seem to go on and on and on and on, and no one thinks they're having uh, an interval. Um, so if you've been in that situation like me, um, this one's for you. I'm on Zoom again, talking to Wigan, and I'm fidgeting because I need a wee. Sitting cross-legged, chatting to Minehead, hurry up Fred because I need a wee. I'm getting desperate, people at Hartford, please shut up because I need a wee. I'm watching the clock, sorry Bulldog, knee starts not because I need a wee. I went before we started, but now my bladder aches. The water's gone right through me, can we please have a break? I'm holding my crutch whilst me eating the Dutch, I'm shaking so much because I need a wee. I'm muttering hymns through long poems, my weakness growing because I need a wee. I'm feeling weaker for every speaker, it's getting bleaker because I need a wee. I'm looking cross-eyed, please dear, I'm beside, I'm going to hide because I need a wee. <sighs> now look, I went before we started, but now my bladder aches. The water's gone right through me, can we please have a break? Oh, I'm wanting to cry, oh dear, Ross and why? Please say goodbye because I need a wee. I'm feeling so ill, goodbye, Nashville. I can't sit still because I need a wee. Feeling delusion, problem, Houston, Houston, it's no illusion because I need a wee. I'm feeling cursed, goodbye Belfast, I'm going to burst because I need a wee. <sighs> so, I go black for a while and dash to the loo, but longer than expected, because now I need a poo. Thank you. That was so funny. That was so funny. <laughs> right on. Zoom world. Is that it, Scott? Are you done? Thank you. Well, thank you. Wow, what a debut. That was rad. Thanks so much. Sorry? Uh, Sorry, I was just distracted by someone's message talking about Frank Zappa there for a minute. Sorry. <laughs> are, you a, are you a Zappa fan? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I, I don't mind the stuff, but I'm not an avid fan. No, it wasn't wasn't the idea I um, had in mind. No, it's just a lockdown look as soon as it's over, it's coming off. Oh, I see. Right on. <laughs> I was actually like, um, it's funny that somebody, I, I think Ken said that, but just before, and Ted might have opinions about this, I don't know, but I think 
it's interesting that mostly boys are Zappa fans. Like you and and people who are Zappa fans are definitely like, I'm a Zappa fan. Like you don't ever meet somebody who's like, sort of like a lukewarm Zappa guy, right? Like, am I wrong, Ted? They're usually like hyper, hyper Zappa fans, right? That is, that is my experience. Except for uh, I have to be the exception for the rule. I'm not a big fan of him myself. So. Oh no no! Not all boys are Zappa yeah, fans. Yeah. Like, but mostly. Good, great guitar boys. player, but great guitar player. Maybe a little too heady for my my. Uh, all right. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. Like and it's such. Well, I mean, I think I don't. I was not aware that this phenomenon had moved into generations younger than my own. Right, uh, like I'm Gen X, you're a boomer, right? Or what do you consider yourself? Early, early side of boomers, yeah. Right, yeah. Like so, like I just, <laughs> I've met some people in Belfast who were huge Zappa fans. Of course, they were boys, and I was like, wow, I kind of never really thought about it. Like, but you would think maybe the younger generation would be a little less divided about it, especially with like the proliferation of non-binary thinking, but uh, maybe I'm being- That's a good point, actually, yeah. I'm maybe I'm being, I, maybe I lived in San Francisco too long and I'm too optimistic, I don't know. Uh, AJ, one of um, Zappa's most famous songs is Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. So there you go. <laughs> that's the guy that's talking about. Good <laughs> But, um, does Flavio want to go? Yes, no? Wait, did we, is, is Flavio away? He went away. Oh, okay. Uh, no, there he is. <laughs> I've unmuted him, perhaps. Un them. Them, sorry. Hello? Uh, hey, hey. Hi. Let me Are you ready to go? Up. I don't, Let me pull don't up the formats. You don't have to go now. But can I? Yes, you can. <laughs> that was a question. Okay. Oh. Mm, I think first I'm going to start reading a poem in, board in English and then I'm going to try something special. This is a very simple poem I wrote about a common division. Sitting on my bottom, oh, hold on. I think you can't see me. No. There's not much to see, though. Okay. I look a bit like Scott right now. We can see you now. <laughs> Sitting on my bottom, watching kitchen nightmares, plates full of cadavers, and a whole culture glorifying the terrifying and sickening practice of frying body parts and seasoning flesh. I sit and watch disgusted but entertained, entertained by the show, pulled together like the dismembered limbs of Frankenstein, disgusted by watching them play catch a lobster. I watch and watch and watch, never check the hand clock. 
lost into the entertaining drama about the restaurants I fervently despise for pretending that torture can never become culture. Lack of humanity astounds me. A simple show on the screen annoyingly making me feel contradictory sensations of destruction and revulsion. Hold the fuck up. Why the fuck am I versifying on kitchen diamonds? I almost wrote a whole poem full of comments on a show. I must really be feeling low. How the fuck did I end up writing about the lowest kinds of entertainment and arts? I guess I am but a person, a person, and a person. I am an infinity trinity of absurdist values generated by philosophy, paintings, poetry, plays, depression, video games, for happiness, comedy, obsession, dysphoria with tragedy, and what the fuckery. I extrapolated a fusion of loundish, landish amusement of dramatic spectacle and absolute detestation of animal mistreatment out of a fucking telly show. I put it in my belly, digested the ideas, and regurgitated verse vomits on a culinary bowl. And this is a poem I wrote regarding the myth of Icarus, you know, the, the bow with the wax wings. Icarian paradoxes torment my soul with the force of a million souls that fall into the Martian day glass. Ascent turns into energetic fuel that powers the gears of my mind and turns on the mechanical parts of my imaginative clockwork heart that acts as a massive womb for deadly emotions and cordial arts. I shall use Caesarean section to give the world this abstract cataphract verses that one rampart across the reader's malleable mind. Yet I'm afraid of losing sparks by gifting them away to no one. These verses conjure dilemmas into the world that resides in my punny, disturbed mind. Dilemmas that travel my spine as if they were a lethal injection that disabled my fingers for life. As if the syringe had been filled with lyrical venom extracted from a poet's inky sting. I release in verse the hate branded on me by muses that have bathed in the blood of emotional butterflies that had their wings cut and are doomed to be icary. Okay. Uh, is there any much time for me left? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so this poem is a poem in Spanish, but I wanted to try something else, something different, by just reciting it to you in English while simultaneously translating it in my head to see how it turns out. And of course, it won't rhyme, but it's just an experimental thing in trying. 
writing a poem in Spanish and then reciting it in English as it goes. And it goes like, a hundred pieces of chess move across the board of bronze in the tabletop of bones made of gold and a frame of ochre. Kings on the other side of the field, cornered in a corner, weeping, crying, mm, wooden pieces of bare fire, fury from their wooden eyes. But the Pujusi needs a miracle to escape the need of having a bitter palate. Let's inject hemlock in their gums, cyanide in their eyes, bleeding eyes, thin tongues. Let's crown their heads with crowns of thorns. Let's demonstrate that we have the blueprints of bridges and roads built towards the utopia that we direct our goals towards. We are architects of a tomorrow with no lords, with no capital, with no silly concepts of the patriarchal, with no racism, no money, just unrelenting waves of freedom and equity with no borders that dissipate like ballistas managed by the walkers. Sickles and hammers break their schemes. Ace in circles upon poems filled with proletarian mottos that awaken the beasts trapped in jails of walks, bees in hexagons of wood. Exit, leave this hive. They need no legs, they get wings of skin and scars of honey. Swarms of amber flood the calmness. They torment the buzzing sounds that break the silence with screams and shouts. Guardians of sound, pentagrams divided into five rows of molecules, of beats, of hearts, of lionesses. Grounds of shadows that dissipate the blinding light that decimates the walking class. Spears of obsidian that raise with the wind of the west that sings. Zephyrs of song, twisters of emotions. Unrelenting gusts, cyclones, hurricanes and typhoons. The west wind has a mission, bringing the breeze of the new and lonely awaited need for revolution. So yeah, I, I don't know if it makes sense in English. I don't know if it's understandable. I feel like <clears throat> I'm not under, after hearing you do it, I'm, I feel like I didn't get what you were doing. Are you saying that you were reading it into your computer so that it could translate it live? Text? Yeah, the, the, the poem that I wrote is in Spanish. 
and I recite it in, in English off the top of my head, not not the, all the, off the top of my head, but oh, I was reading in Spanish and translating it to use to see how it turns out. Oh, that's so interesting. No, you know, with no bias. Like I live Ableton. No dictionaries. It was just me reading the poem and reciting it in English for you to see how the words turn out and if uh, I automatically put rhymes in and maybe do this again, again some other day. It's just translating with no basis, no dictionaries, nothing, just my soul mind. I feel bad now because I think we should have recorded it. We did. We could go back and like check out. It's on you know radio. Like, it's absolutely I, recorded. Well, like, yeah. how much we can do about that. Oh, it's recorded. But, um, well, okay, so. If, if that's it, that's it. Uh, I had another one, but. Oh, do you not? Do you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And it's recorded. No, it's just. Just, just so you guys know, it's, it's recorded. It's happening live on Mutiny Radio. There's a podcast after. It was completely recorded. Fuck yeah! Absolutely recorded. Okay, so see now you can tell. Oh, I'm so excited about that. That's so pleasing. Like really, that's so pleasing. Wait, did did you have another one to do? I'm. It's okay. Yeah. By the way, each one who's listening to this. All these poems are 100% vegan. <laughs> um, this is this poem is very different, uh, centering itself on mythology a lot. You'll probably not understand all the words, but I just hope you understand at least half of it to get like the big picture of it. It's a poem divided in three parts. It's called "The Cosmogony of My Word and the Palatalization of Green Mars." So. Mm. I don't like explaining poems because it takes away things from it, but cosmogony is uh, describing the creation of the world. I don't think there's any creating motto myself, but I do indulge in mythology and I love it a lot. And palatalization means uh, placing a focus on the palate. It was used in linguistics to say that people started using more sounds to by the palate, but in this case means that I focus on the palate itself, the part of your mouth. So here's the first part. Chaos turns into ordered chaos. Nothing is generated ex nihilo, out of nothing. Energy flows, metamorphoses itself as dwarves forge mithril ore into weapons, ornaments, accessories, and musical horns. Chaos and scouser sweet bites on means is but a slave of eternity. Ironically, by being and not being freed and chained to its own selfless self, a paradox of timeless time floating but not floating into the airless air. Chaos's eunomia, the good part of it, just like anarchy. It is the just modesty, the reverted vanity of capitalistic order and governmental chaos, the almost perfect sequence of planets and stars, democratic lives. Chaos aligns itself within itself, a galactic cluster of galactic groups ordered within chaos, communes of astral somas. 
bodies. Bookshin would have not restrained himself being an astronomer. As for the second part, affirmation of no equal integration condenses gala milk from Amaltheus marble veins. It erupts. A storm of foam forms amorphous globes. A formation that starts shaping itself to fit the mold of chaos's forge to make the smith think its day it did. A formation of tricky sugars, caramel, forge and master one and the same. Within booze the fire melts the platinum. A formation of swords and armors surges fairly titans awaken from their slumber. Milky Way, paved, block by block, formed. And the third and last part. A myriad of eyes and arms. Trees, uplifted from the land, green appendixes. Branches, fingers, leaves, nails. A myriad of skin patches, hydrogen masses, invisible pores, holes and horizontal walls, cones below the surface, algae in movement, a myriad of alveoli floating, air, all protected by the cobalt giants, all tasted by the turquoise palates, a myriad of titans amalgamated, biomes, mystical homes of hair and bones, the Aegean made of all that is heart-shaking, breathtaking. That's, that's kind of it. It's just a cluster of metaphors, nothing important. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Flavio. <laughs> Everything okay where you are? Well, yeah, things are okay. Outside my mind, inside, not so well. But we're getting by. That sounds grim, but... Grim? Nah, it's just saying that... Uh, I, <laughs> I write poems because they help, they help a lot with, you know, with everything that goes on in my mind. But for me, poetry is just, you know, catalysis of emotions. I use it as a therapy. And it works. It works from this. Like a release valve. Yeah, like your. Imagine when you go vegan and start eating all these plant foods. You're no longer eating meat, which is fiberless. Now you're eating grains, which are packed with fiber. So you go to the bathroom and crop three times a day, get everything out. So yeah, my poems are vegan, packed with fiber, plagued with shit. Is that what the analogy is out? Yeah, <laughs> not a very good analogy, is it? You know, it calls to mind, a guitar player of mine was a vegetarian and he often when drunk would tell the story about the time that he felt the last piece of meat leave his bowels. Anyway, just saying. 
I could talk about that all day because I usually, well, anyways, whatever. We'll not talk about it anymore. It's Pam's turn. Pam, you want to top the shit talk? Hey, everybody. I know you can. Hey, everybody. Oh, talk the shit. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I had to go number two so badly the other day. It curled around the bowl. I went number six. Ah! <laughs> ah, I couldn't believe it. I play this game in the Tenderloin with small children. I don't know if you guys uh, do this in Scotland. I don't know if what happens on your streets. But if I see a pile and I'm with a small child, uh, I point at it and I say, man or beast, man or beast. It's a fun game. You can play with small children. That's <laughs> good. No, yeah, that's I'm all about the poop, yo. I had to. It's actually totally like, yeah, that's complete. 